millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Just Films and That with me, Josh Hallam. And me, Alice Oliver. This is the podcast where we talk about films that we think are underrated, underappreciated, or we just wanted to talk about them. We're also going to get stuck into some classic films that one of us maybe hasn't seen and maybe throw in some great guests along the way. So we start this week's episode, as ever, with a random question. Uh, Alice, sweet or savoury in general? Like, mm. not popcorn or whatever. Oh, I mean, that is such a hard question. I really do have so much love for both. It's a broad question. It is, yeah. yeah. But also, I like bringing the two together. So, like, chocolate-covered pretzels and that. Oh, my God. Delicious. Um, I used to have this thing when I was younger where I'd always eat apples with cheese. Like, I'd slice off some cheese and put them on some apple. So, I love it when the two come together, but also separately, both wonderful things. Why? What about you? What's your preference? Um, I'm a a savoury guy. Mm. I like both. But if the dessert menu comes round and there's a cheese board on it, Mm -hmm. I'm having it. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to go savoury. Yeah. I'm going to go savoury. But I know what you mean. But I don't I'll tell you what I don't get. I don't mind the combination of sweet and savory. But you know when they try and mash the two together and it just doesn't quite work. Like for me, people have chili chocolate. Chili so chocolate. Oh, I that. don't mind a bit of no. chili chocolate. You know, well, not a fan. <laughs> you're wrong. How do you feel about a battered Mars bar? I've never had a battered Mars bar. Mm. I had a battered Snickers once. Oh, almost as good. What was and that like? It was incredibly rich right. and I don't think I could finish it. Oh, I'm not and hearing it, bad though. It's not bad, but it looked... Would it be the last time I'd have one? No. I'm in a rush to have one again. Also no. <laughs> if it comes up. <laughs> yeah. And also, ultimately it looked disgusting. Yeah, they look disgusting. awful. Yeah, yeah. But no, I love... I'm a big fan of battered chocolate, I've got to be honest. So it's my turn to pick this week. So I've chosen uh, Stardust, which is the uh, the one f- from 2007. Um, if you haven't seen it, there is a spoiler warning. Um, it's an adaptation of a Neil Gaiman book from the kind of mid-90s, I think. Um, to give you a little bit of synopsis, it's set in a kind of time gone by um, in a little village, which is bordering on a magical realm. Young man has a kind of uninterested... <laughs> uh, 
lady who he wants to woo. So he vows to go and get a fallen star from the magical realm next to the village. Uh, and that's about all I'm going to tell you. Um, cause the rest of it is just a big old fairy tale story. Um, Alice, had you seen this one before? I had, but I couldn't really remember it, so I don't really think I'd processed it when I first saw it. But as soon as I started watching, I remembered Claire Danes is a star. And you is just, a star. She is certainly a star <laughs> in more ways than one. Were you just thinking, take that? Take, well, no, it's not till the end, is it, where that really yeah, kicks in? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So why did you pick this one, Josh? Uh, so I picked this one because I think that it's... Um, I think it's just a really lovely Sunday afternoon family film. And I don't think it's often spoken enough how much to its credit that is. Like, I think there's a lot of films that, you know, have really powerful messages or have really memorable things about them. But to just have a piece of entertainment that's like this, that's like warm and cuddly and everyone can enjoy. Do you know what I mean? It's like a rainy day film. It's like, well, we'll put Stardust on. It's that kind of thing for me. And I think it's kind of not underrated in that sense it's not spoken about enough what a great family film it is i also think come to think of it actually that matthew vaughan makes consistently that's the director probably knew but um he makes consistently good blockbuster entertainment i don't think he's made a film that i've seen that i didn't see some merit in apart from kingsman 2 which i didn't enjoy oh not a fan no i no. haven't seen it yet to be fair that and I didn't think it was awful. I just there was just I just didn't enjoy it as much as his other films. Did he not do Kingsman One then? He did do Kingsman. Oh, we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love Kingsman One mm. and Kickass, uh, X Men First Class. Yeah. Did he do Lockstock or Layer Cake? Was he did. It? He directed Layer Cake, yeah. and he was involved with the early Guy Ritchie films in some way, maybe mm. some sort of writer producer type role. But I think he he always makes him and he he also. This was the first film he did with Jane Goldman, writing the script, who's, again, she's also written all the other films I've just talked about. Okay, um, bit I think of a duo, that, yeah. Yeah, those two as a team, mm. I think, are um, a really kind of underrated team because they just they always they just always seem to hit the, hit out the park for me. Mm. Um, yeah, so I mean, I'm intrigued to think, well, what did you think going into it? Obviously, you'd seen it before, but you didn't have much memory of it mm. because, it, I mean, it is a 13-year-old film, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> so what did you think? So I certainly agree with what you were saying about it being that kind of rainy day film and it like just being a bit of a hug in a film. Because funnily enough, when I watched it, I was feeling a little bit down in the dumps. And then as soon as it started, I was just like, ah, like I felt a little yeah. bit more relaxed because it's so obviously so fantastical and you're just like, everything is so, it's so of the imagination and everything is just like so you know, wild and unfathomable. And it was just nice to kind of have that. We, I suppose it's nice to have a film that where there's not really any consequence. And I really enjoyed it for that. Um, there's a few things I wasn't really into, but we'll get to that oh, later on. I mean, I'm actually quite interested to hear that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. It's that, it's, you could be down in the dumps and it's like, as soon as Ian McKellen starts narrating, it's almost like someone's putting a blanket around your shoulders giving you a warm cup of tea and being like, come on in, watch this film. Absolutely. And what it, a wonderful choice as a narrator yeah, as well. Yeah, I mean, he's up there, isn't he, Ian McKellen, with like, who, who, who you would want to read your bedtime stories. Oh, yeah. Like Ian McKellen, Morgan Freeman, mm -hmm. that kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, and I like, I completely agree with what you're saying there in terms of it's a fantastical world, but it's also a fantastical world that kind of, it does enough to present the world to you as the watcher, 
without expecting too much of you. It's not like, like for example, something like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings obviously spread out over multiple films. Mm -hmm. And there are these huge worlds where there's all these different kind of segments of people and history and backstory and plots and underlying things that you've got to kind of get your head around. Whereas this does, I think, does a really good job of balancing what you already know about your standard fairy tale elements Mm -hmm. and making a good story without expecting too much. At no point in the film, even though they bring some really mad stuff into it, like lightning pirates and stuff. Oh, yeah, the lightning pirates. But at no point, I I, I don't think, anyway, would you think, oh, what's going on? Do you know what I mean? I never became lost at any point. I don't know, is that one of the things you're going to say? Well, funnily enough, I did feel like that every now and then. I think when we were moving sort of, as we were moving between time periods and then moving sort of between the real world and the magical world. I wasn't sure kind of where the rules started and what affected what. So obviously we've got the king in his tower and he's got these many, many sons and, you know, they're all vying to be crowned the next king and stuff. And I wasn't really clear where that was happening and who that would be affecting, if it was just the magical world or if that spilled over into the human world as well. And then I just kind of wasn't really sure of the boundaries and stuff. Yeah, so you kind of weren't sure where the line was drawn between what do the people in the real world know, what do people in the fairy tale world know. Exactly. I can, the get, people, yeah, I can understand that. Because in the real world, they seem to know that magic exists and they know that this sort of That's magical true. land is just beyond the wall. But, but then no one goes there. They don't They don't go there and the guy's obviously guarding that bit of the wall yeah. and you're not meant to go in there and stuff. And I'm just I'm never really cottoned on to why. There, there can't be that kind of crossover and, you know, why doesn't the magical spill into the reality sort of thing. Do you know how loyal it is to the book? Have you read the book? No, I've not I've not read the book. I'm, um, I don't read much fiction. No. Not that like not. one of these, I'm not like, I don't mean like I'm constantly reading like really intellectual books. I just, I just, I like reading like autobiographies and more yeah, factual, yeah. factually based books. So this isn't one I've read. However, I do I do like Neil Gaiman's stuff. Mm-hmm. So like uh, some of his comic books, like Sandman and stuff. So I've always thought I'd like I'd quite like to read it because I know he's very similar to Terry Pratchett. Mm-hmm. And again, I've only ever read I think I read one Terry Pratchett book, and it was and it was one of the Discworld novels that was like in the middle of something. Mm-hmm. So I didn't quite get it because I, I wasn't supposed to because I should have picked up you know another one. Um, so I've always thought about going into that sort of thing but no I've never read the book the only difference I know off the top of my head is that I think in the book he's called Tristran mm, our main and protagonist the, yeah um, in the main character and then in the film he's called Tristan mm-hmm. probably because it's just easier to say just a little bit or, easier to say yeah oh. I don't know uh, why why do you ask just wondering so because it certainly felt like there were some areas where you weren't getting the full information. And there were some areas where I was unsure of characters' motivations and sort of why they were being certain ways. And obviously, obviously, if you're ever going to try and adapt a book into a film, it's never going to be the same. Like, they're two completely different modes of um, writing a story and absorbing a story. And there's always going to be stuff left out. So I just wondered if some of my what I suppose our criticisms would be, oh no, but in the book they explain that. But obviously you haven't got all that time with just two hours. It's strange, isn't it? It, I mean, I don't know if anyone does know, please please do email us like how different is the book from the film. But I think with film adaptations of particularly fantasy style books, you kind of go one of two ways. You either go Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, which is, oh my God, this book is 700,000 pages long. It's never going to go into a film. Let's do what we can. Or you're going to go The Hobbit, which is, oh my God, this book is... 
60 pages yeah, yeah. or whatever. Let's make a three-hour film from it. Everyone so, will love that. Three three-hour films, yeah. right? I couldn't get past the first one. No, I'm not really. I'm not, not um, a huge Hobbit fan. So what did you think of the fairy tale world? Because I really like that element of it. You know, there's stuff in it. It's almost the other side of the coin of what you're talking about. Is Yeah, there is a little bit of a, of a blurring of the lines. But there's also things in there that I really like, like the ruins... They use these ruins like a compass to kind of navigate their way around. I liked the, na- the, the way that there's these magical elements of every- everything's in there, like witches, wizards, kings, queens, magic ghosts. Magic mirrors, magic, potions, potions. Uh, the fortune telling by reading animal guts and yeah, stuff. I like that. <laughs> and they just throw it all at you. And because of what you already kind of know about fairy tales, you kind of just go with it. Mm-hmm. But I understand what you're saying and that there's so much of it that perhaps elements of the plot could get lost along the way but overall what did you think of stuff like the ruins and the way it presented the world to you and the the lightning pirates and all that sort of stuff did it did it suck you in enough to give you that element of escapism or was it too much i don't think it was too much i never felt fully sucked in um but i did certainly enjoy the the fantasy elements of it and the fairy tale elements mm. of it because it is i mean it's a fairy tale really is, right yeah. you know it's, there's a blonde damsel in distress and then the man saves her and everyone lives happily ever after <laughs> that's essentially what it is yeah after kidnapping her first of course um but like like you say with the witches so obviously there's you know the whole thing of witches you know because they're so horrid and ugly and grotesque and they're just desperate to be young and thin and they hate everybody who's young and thin and like that's you know a common trope that we've had and they've got their kind of like I said, the fortune telling and I love the ghosts as well. That's I my thought. favorite. So the the brothers, the sons, br- brilliant. That their whole thing, I really, really enjoyed. I love having some of them as ghosts, and then obviously yeah. you had the visualization of how they died. Like one's got a smushed face, and the it's other burnt, one's got like yeah, 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 and like they've got bits falling off and stuff. So that was cool. I love that you recognize them all as well. Like there's so the ensemble that they've got in this. I mean, every fucker's been on telly in Britain yeah. at some point, right? I was like, know him, know him, yeah. know him. So that's that's great. I really enjoyed it. David Williams popping up there. Yeah, so David Williams, Adam Buxton, Rupert Everett, Jason Fleming, Julian Rintup from Green Wing, and Mark Heap from Hello Jackie, you know, from from Friday Night Dinner, if you've not seen that. Oh, the the weird, like, pedo uncle. In um in Friday Night Dinner, yeah, the neighbor, he's like oh, the weird the neighbor. neighbor, yeah. So I have really, <laughs> real, see, because I just see the ads for it, and I'm like, he looks like a pedo uncle. Yeah, so, yeah. it's not that dark. Okay, no, he's just no. a weirdo lives Phew. next door. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but it's but that's just the brothers, and they're they're not even in it that much. But there's there's the great banter between them. That's like mm. one of the highlights for me is like the kind of. Um, the chemistry between the brothers all kind of clapping and making sarcastic comments along the way. Yeah, brilliant. When the when the king, when the dad, he's sort of when you kind of introduced to him. So you get this like wonderful so the cinematography and some of the shots and some of the kind of um landscape was brilliant. And then obviously you're kind of you they did like these massive long pans, like these huge wides when going from one world to the next. So mm. like the first time you're introduced to the king and his sons, you go from the town. I think you're with Victoria and Tristan who were enjoying their date. And it shoots over like you're like the camera's attached to a bird or a drone or something, and you fly over and you get all the scenery, and that's gorgeous. And then you land in the castle, and obviously some of the brothers are there and they're all talking about like, who's gonna be king next? And the dad's in the bed, and he asks one of them to go and stand by the window. And he's like, What do you see? And he's like, A kingdom. I see our kingdom. And all this just kind of like melodramatic. Yeah. 
I just, it it was really funny and they were really fun to watch as well. It kind of walks the line a little bit between like Lord of the Rings and Shrek in that. Yeah, in interesting. That, yeah, Shrek silly, definitely. As silly yeah. as that sounds, like embracing the epicness of this fairy tale world, but also mm-hmm. taking the piss a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What do you think? So what do you think of the cast? So for me, the cast is one of the, the great things about this because you've got like other than the people we've already said, Charlie Cox, who obviously was unknown at the time, Claire Danes, Sienna Miller, Robert De Niro, Michelle Pfeiffer, Ricky Gervais, Mark Strong, Peter O'Toole, uh, Henry Cavill Henry before he Cavill. Henry Cavill before he discovered the gym before before uh, I mean I barely uh, recognised him I was looking at him and I was like is that Henry Cavill skinny Henry Cavill sure it is because of because of his it's in his eyes and in his jaw and stuff but thinly yeah. Cavill and then and he he's like a supporting like barely anything role who's credited after Ricky Gervais on yeah. on a pay on a credit page with like four other names and it's like well, he's fucking Superman now isn't he it absolutely is but yeah lovely to see him so but young. they're all having such a laugh. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah, you can just tell like De Niro. Yeah. Robert De Niro playing a lightning pirate captain yeah. who is trying to hide his identity but also keep his reputation. He's having a great time. Michelle Fye for chewing up the scenery as the witch. Mm-hmm. I think Charlie Cox does a really good job of kind of holding his own with all because at the time he wasn't that bit. Well, he, it was his breakthrough role because I know the the director want the the studio was pushing for I think Orlando Bloom or someone of that okay. level of fame yeah um but I think he does a really good job of being Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. What they wanted him to be, which is like dorky. Mm. 
but then learns to be handsome and charming and all this. Yeah. I think you he's get, brilliant. And you get that that transformation that would obviously usually take like months and months or whatever, but they really speed it up. So he goes from being quite clown-like in appearance. So he's got a big old hat, his jacket's too big, and he's wearing massive shoes. Mm. Like when you see him for the first time outside uh, Victoria's window and he's like trying to get her attention stuff. So he looks, he just looks a bit like that. And then they go through the transition after he's met Robert De Niro and he makes his hair grow. Yeah. And then so it's like all starting swished back and stuff. It's like, ooh, sexy. And then he teaches him how to fight using swords on the ships yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you get like that's his sort of transformation montage. And I feel like it only happens over the course of a couple of days. And obviously if your hair was going to grow from being that short to that long, you'd have to take months. But because of magic, Magical. they can just make it happen. Yeah. So that's fun that you get like the two versions. And it's not well. that often you get. And maybe you do now, but you don't often get a, a sprucing up montage of a male character. Yeah, But often it's a she's all vatting type yeah. oh, situation. Oh, I'll take her glasses off and pull yeah. a ponytail down. Paint, she's beautiful. Paint cover overalls, be gone. Yeah. <laughs> do you prefer um, goofy short-haired Charlie Cox or long-haired sexy Charlie Cox? Long hair, always. I am a sucker for long hair. You do hair like the long hair, don't yeah, you? Yeah, big fan, big fan. <laughs> I love Charlie Cox. Thank yeah, you. you yeah. I love Cox. I'm not afraid to say <laughs> Don't it. Don't we all, Josh? <laughs> I do also really like the way it toes the line between kind of being suitable for adults and suitable for kids. Like it's not it's not kiddie enough to really lose you as an adult, and it's not too adult that kids can't enjoy it. Like there's not there's not any blood, or if there is, it's like blue. blue yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so. I think again, that's why it makes it a great family film. You don't notice it. It's it's almost like like we've said before, like a great Pixar film when they'll have you know jokes for the kids, but then there's like subtlety and and underlying jokes there for the adults. Um, I don't know what what else. What else do you think? I mean, there was so there was one scene that I thought was just really just so well put together. So it's when they're all kind of so they're all on the mountains. They've all all the three different lines of action. So we've got is it Septimus? Mark the Strong's brother character. in black. Yeah, the kind of yeah, the kind the of male one, bad guy. That's he's not the a last witch. one surviving. Yeah, right, Mark think, Strong. Yeah, yeah Mark Strong. So we get a scene yeah. where he's charging through the mountains on horseback with this big dramatic music, and he's got all his men behind him, and you get these horses charging, really like a kind of Lord of the Rings style thing going on. And then you've got Michelle Pfeiffer's character, who's also charging through the mountain, but with two goats, and she's got her little a little like cart behind her. And then you've also got Tristan and Yvain who he's dragging along the mountains, you know, with her magic rope or whatever. Um, and they're scaling the the mountain range, like sort of a Sam and Bilbo sort of thing. Mm. And I just really loved how that whole sequence is put together because you cut from one to the other and they all seem to be kind of going in, in the same direction because they all want the same thing, which is the star. That's like all their, their mission. Um, and I just thought that sequence was really well put together and just a real great use of music to kind of... Um, evoke feelings of like drama and danger and Septimus was uh, just looks brilliant on a horse there's a lot of men with quite long sexy hair in yeah this, yeah I did I thought you might I like did that. enjoy that I did really you, did I quite like even I know it's a daft thing but like all the brothers are named after their place of when they were born yeah yeah pr- like, primus, primus secundus yeah. tertius and all that yeah yeah you're just numbers boys like yeah. really that really shows as well like the dad like doesn't love you barely even thinks of you as individuals <laughs> or people that's called it one yeah I suppose we'll move on then. I, I I have an idea what you might say. So is there anything that you didn't like about the film? 
So, have an inkling, but go on. So it was mostly particular moments in the film that I just didn't buy or that I thought felt really out of place and just a few kind of inconsistencies. One of my main issues with, is with Yvain. So Claire Danes playing the star. Now she seems to go from being like a really vulnerable, innocent, baby, precious character who must be looked after at all costs. But then in other breaths is talking about how she's been alive for hundreds and hundreds of years and has been watching people live out their life on Earth. So I was just like, I wasn't sure, like what is she meant to be? Is she meant to be this sort of all-knowing extraterrestrial being that's literally been watching Earth for these past however many centuries? Mm. Or is she a fragile little baby? And I didn't really like that it didn't really know what it wanted to be. Yeah, I've never really thought of that. I suppose you could say it's inconsistent. It just didn't... Like, I would have... I wanted more from Yvain, I think. I wanted mm. more, like, to, if you really think about, you know, kind of the power and the beauty of the stars and how, what kind of perspective the stars have on Earth compared to what we do. I wanted her to be, like, this just magical, kind of fantastic, all-knowing being. And she just wasn't really, and I was just a bit disappointed. I know what you mean. And there's also that element that she's in it, she's a, she's a character who's, ability is kind of led by her emotions so there's an element even when i was watching it i um i turned to my partner right at the end and she kind of glows like a star and but she, she burns michelle pfeiffer's which character doesn't she, she mm-hmm. she's kind of the one that does the thing that wins yeah by giving him a hug <laughs> yeah and i remember i actually because i hadn't seen it for a while when i picked it i had this one on my list for a little while and i hadn't seen it for a couple of years and i even went I don't, remember, I don't remember that. Why didn't she just do that straight away? Yeah, exactly. Why did you do that an hour and 30 minutes yeah. ago? <laughs> and then like, and then 10 seconds later, she, he went, literally the main character goes, why don't you do that straight away? And she goes, I couldn't because love. Yeah. It's a bit, um, it's a bit later series, Matt Smith, Doctor Who for me, which is the series that kind of turned me off, which is like, just hope and believe and love and love will save the day. Yeah. Like there's not like a, but then I suppose if you're ever going to do that, in a fairy tale film, of course, and that's is the what place it is. to do it, and it that is, is what a it fairy is. Tale. It that is, is what absolutely. it is. But yeah, and also, like, obviously, she falls in love with him, but he's the only man she's ever met, and he's kidnapped her at the beginning and forces her to be with him, and like, literally ties her up, and she's literally like helpless. And then he ties around that tree like over and over again with the rope, and then fucks off and leaves her, and then acts surprised when she's gone. So like, what did you expect for her to just stay there waiting for you? So it was just a few bits like that, and then obviously when um, when Yvain and Tristan they're you know trying to run away because whoever's kind of coming after them, and they're on the road, and they see someone coming in the opposite direction. So like Tristan's like, no, we must hide. So falls on top of her so that they're face to face. What good is that? You you can't look out. You don't know if someone's going to creep up and get like they're so worried about all the people that are coming to try and get her, and they're just like, oh yeah, we'll just lie on top of each other like this. So they really like that. Um, so are we saying that you, that Yvain appears to have some sort of Stockholm syndrome? Certainly, yeah. That's what, that's Tristan. one of yeah. That's one of the notes. Yeah, I, made. I never like, thought about that. So when, well, it's ruined now. When um, <laughs> when so uh, what's Robert De Niro's character? Captain, Captain Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Yes. So when he ties them up together, you know, when he's kind of still doing this ruse that he might kill them or, or that they're going to rape Pretended Yvain, to be a hard they, pirate, which they talk about. Um, so they're tied up together. And she just kind of starts going, you saved my life. Thank you so much and all this. And then she starts like holding his hand and stuff. And it's like, he's literally had you tied up this whole time. <laughs> but it is Stockholm Syndrome. That's how I view it as well. Yeah. 
Should have been like, that's what it should have been called. Stardust. A Stockholm Syndrome story. Yeah, yeah. Then I could have got on board because I would have known what to expect. The story of a young man who kidnaps a star and she falls in love with him because of a psychological problem. Exactly. <laughs> just one other thing as well that just kind of just made me go, ah, oh, what was when... So they've just had sex and then he's oh. leaving in the morning to go and tell... So for some reason, he feels like he has to go and tell Victoria that he doesn't want to marry her actually he's going to go off with this other girl first of all victoria does not give a flying fuck she has shown him no indication that she's interested in whatsoever he tries to woo her in that when they go out on this date she's clearly not interested doesn't even lead him on no not well apart from giving him a task but emotionally she doesn't leave him on and it's an impossible task she's asked him or he's said that he's going to do this impossible task and she's agreed because she knows it's impossible there's no way he's going to be able to do it because who can catch a star or whatever and then you've got other like the other guy Humphrey as well who I don't really think she's that interested in either but Tristan starts slugging off Humphrey because he'll only travel as far as Ipswich to go and get a wedding ring for her and I was like do you know how difficult it is to cross continents back in that day and age (laughs) and I was like maybe he just doesn't want to be away from her for too long Uh, have you ever thought of that that Humphrey was maybe the hero plus Daredevil has a problem with Superman Superman a batter him. Oh, yeah. Hey, that'd so. be an interesting watch. What do you think? The only, so I don't really, I didn't really, again, I know I always try and come up with some sort of balanced argument of any problems in the film. And I actually think what you're saying there about the kind of slight holes in the story and slight blurred lines, because I think what you're saying, I don't know if hopefully you'll agree with me, is you've seen those things, but they don't necessarily take anything away from the film. I'm, it's just that they're there. It's so it, obviously it's not a bad film. Technically, kind of script-wise, it's not that bad. You know, some great visual effects and special effects, great makeup, great costume. I don't hate the characters. There was just so much. I just feel like it's clearly an adaptation of a book. Yeah, and there are clearly a lot of things missing. And the the risk you take when adapting is that you try and follow the story exactly as it is in the book, but you're never going to get the kind of depth of character mm. because you've only got two hours versus, what, 600 pages and That's, someone's imagination. There's so much to... more you can do in a book than a film. Of course, really yeah. I mean, so I think what you should be doing is taking the core ideals and the themes of a book mm. and then adapting it into a film, but then you get people kicking off saying things like, oh, accurate, it wasn't like yeah. that in the book. It's like, well, things don't have to be exactly you the get same. A kind of, um, you get a kind of Stephen King, The Shining situation where... Yeah, yeah. Like the yeah, you know, King that kind of didn't thing. like it. Yeah, yeah. So the I mean, again, I, the only issue I, I had was I felt. First of all, I felt Ricky Gervais's performance was it, not a bad performance. It's just like a little bit out of place. He was just being Ricky. It's he was just, just being Brent. David Brent, wasn't he? Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just David, he might as well have been like you sell some lightning to a pirate and you're labelled a prat yeah, or whatever. But yeah, yeah. And Michelle Pfeiffer's accent does slip a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Certainly towards the end where she's. So she's about to, they're about to kill the star and then she sort of gets taken when she gets really angry and stuff. She goes really back into American, American. totally, yeah. I was like, and then it made me think, was she even doing an English accent Yeah, it's a bit of a Kevin Costner, Prince of Thieves. (laughs) But then you also think, well, why just do American? Oh, I mean... De Niro doesn't give a shit. No. He's doing New York. And it's a a fantasy, right? So, yeah, the the accent, I would just be happier if everyone just did their own accents and people didn't have to worry about it. So we'll move on to the critical reception in a moment, but before we do, um, carrying on with the fairy tale motif, Alice, I believe you're going to take us on a little journey. 
I'm indeed, Josh. Please follow me now down the rabbit hole for this bit that we're going to call Alice Down the Rabbit Hole. So for now, we are going to delve into the life and times of Ben Barnes, who plays young Dustin Thorne in Stardust. But before making his way into film and television, Ben tried his hand at music, landing his first professional gig as a drummer in Bugsy Malone at 15 years old. At 17, Ben was signed by pop idol talent spotter Simon Fuller and was dubbed the next teen heartthrob. He then spent some time as a singer in a band, High Rise, who ended up in the running to represent the UK at Eurovision in 2004, but wound up losing to James Fox. Ben said he felt burned by his Eurovision experience and after singing their song, Leading Me On, three times during rehearsal, was embarrassed and said he couldn't do this anymore. Now I listened to the song and it's naturally dripping in that boy band Eurovision cheese, but no worse than anything by Justin Bieber or 1D, so they were probably just ahead of their time. He says of the experience that it showed what happens if you try to do something that isn't authentically you. The band disbanded pretty much straight away. And though his music career may not have taken off as he'd have liked it to, we know that things have turned out all right for Ben, with a career spanning across film and television. And he even appeared in the music video for Black Eyed Peas' Where Is The Love? And if Will I Am knows who you are, you've probably made it. And that was Alice Down the Rabbit Hole. Thank I, you, thank you. I did not know that Ben Barnes was in, A, the first bit about me, musician, did not know he was in the music video for Where Is The Love. I only I, really knew him for this, Chronicles of Narnia and Punisher. That's the main thing that comes up is, is the Chronicles of Narnia, but he's yeah. been busy. He has been busy doing a lot of bits. Handsome chap. Oh, yeah, Another long-haired handsome yeah, chap. Yeah, I know. I'm here for it. There's one thing I did like about the film. Lots of hunks with long hair. Yeah. Skinny, scrawny <laughs> hunks with long hair. It's what I'm about. <laughs> That's your time. It is. You see my husband. <laughs> so we'll move on to the critical reception then. We'll see where we think where it lies in the um, pantheon of underrated. So I think it is underrated going into this. You haven't seen the critical reception. So what? how do you think it did generally? Did it do okay? Did it do badly? Good. I wonder if, because it's sort of trying to balance between that being kid-friendly and being for adults, if it just kind of misses the mark on both. And so I don't know, like, I just, I didn't get that much from watching it and right. I probably wouldn't watch it again. But I, technically I can appreciate that it is a nice film. Mm. Um, so I, like, I would imagine maybe around the seven, like, bang on seven mark. Yeah, you're not far off. So... On IMDb, it gets 7.6. Mm -hmm. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, it gets the same from the audience. Seventy No, sorry, the critics, 76%. And it gets 86% from the audience. Oh, wow. So yeah. kind of if you even that out, it's what, like an 8 out of 10, yeah. something like that. So would you, I would probably say, would you say that's overrated? I would say, yeah, maybe a little bit overrated. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. See, I wouldn't. What? Why? Why has it struck such a chord with you? Why do you think that that is? I don't know because underrated. having rewatched it mm -hmm. and seen those scores, I'd be inclined to possibly agree with you. Mm -hmm. It's it's, but I don't think it's there to gain ratings. If you look at the fact that the critics seem to give it seventy six, but the audience give it eighty six, I think that tells you something. I think I think that tells you that it's there to entertain mm -hmm. and just be a nice, light hearted piece of fluffy entertainment. Mm -hmm. And I think it is that. However, yeah, I think you think I think eight. So if we say it's eight, I think that probably is slightly underrated. I think I probably would put it about seven. Mm -hmm. So there you go. First time for for for. For us to find something that we probably think is a little bit overrated, maybe. Overrated, you're saying, yeah? Yeah, should we say overrated? Yeah, go on. Bloody hell. But still, 
a lovely piece of entertaining cinema with something that I love, which is a happy ending. Oh, yeah, and how rare is that these days? So, there you go. So there we go. That's our first uh, overrated choice for a while. Um, I still think it's good, though. Uh, Alice, it's your turn to pick next week. What are we watching? Well, Josh, I did think it was about time that we had a go at one of these classic films that one of us may not have seen. I was watching an episode of Lovecraft Country the other day and they played a clip from Meet Me in St. Louis in it. And I thought, oh, this looks interesting. Judy Garland on screen. She's just so beautiful and lovely. And I just thought, yeah, I should give that a go. So we're going to watch Meet Me in St. Louis. Brilliant. That's our f- So that'll be our first classic film that one of us hasn't seen. So have you seen it? I have not. Oh, there we go. Both so of us there we go. Seen. A classic coming your way next week. Very exciting. In the meantime, uh, please do get in touch with us. Um, if you've got a film you'd like us to do, if you've got any thoughts on any of the films we have done, if you think we're wrong, then give us an email, filmsandthatpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, films underscore that, and we're on Facebook and Instagram at filmsandthatpod. Uh, Very much look forward to doing our first classic film next week. Alice, thanks very much for joining me as ever. Thank you so much, Josh. And it's goodbye from me. Cheerio. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.